0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Is anyone here who's been a Christian for a little while and find yourself getting back into old habits? And maybe there's some of you tonight, you're not a Christian and it's because of Christians living in their old habits, it's kind of put you off wanting to ever be a Christian. And uh, so we we started thinking about that, and and we've been doing this series called Usual Suspects. And the usual suspects are, are some of those things that take us out of the freedom that Jesus gave us and get us back into bondage. And we've been addressing over the last few weeks some of those things that stop us living in our true freedom that can be found in Christ Jesus. And we've called it usual suspects because when it comes down to it, there's, there's usually a, a list of things that it comes down to. It wasn't that long ago, a couple of years ago, that I was hospitalised for three weeks. I mean, three weeks three whole weeks. I mean, that's bad enough for anyone. But for me, who has ADD, ADHD, LMNOP, I have every letter of the alphabet. And to be locked up and cooped up in hospital for three weeks was a big ask. But uh, when when I went in there, initially they didn't know what was wrong with me. They finally found out that I had a blood infection. And I'll never forget that day, because I've been in there two or three days already. And the doctor came in, and Andre, our general manager, was there, and my wife Kath was there. And and they asked both Andre and Kath to vacate the room. And the doctor said, I've got a series of questions I want to ask you. I said, Sure, fire away. And and he said, "Um, Have you ever had sexual relations with a man or a woman other than your wife? And I was just shocked. I'm like, Who do you think I am? And I I said this to him, I said, I'm a pastor. He didn't see the funny side of that. He said, Mr. Rainbow, I'm going to ask you this question again. Have you had sexual relations with a man or a woman other than your wife? And I, I just kind of found myself kind of choking, going, no. And then, then he said to me, um, Do you do drugs? Have you injected drugs? I'm like, Who do you think I'm, I am? Mean, what, what, what is out there about me that you would ask those two questions? And then as I realised, I went through a series of questions, it wasn't personal. They just addressed the usual things that cause a blood infection. So it wasn't personal. They just went for the usual things. And honestly, I've been pastoring, can you believe this? Our church turns 25 years old next February. I mean, we've been around for a while, honey. It's amazing. 25 years. And in that time, we've seen people you know, get really bent out of shape. And honestly... When I think about the people that get bent out of shape, and when I think about when I get bent out of shape, it usually comes down a few things. And these few things that lead us to getting bent out of shape, we've been addressing over the last few weeks. And I just let you know that because all of our messages are free to download on podcasts or on our website. And so please, please, please do that in your own time. But some of the, some of the topics we've covered are comparison, that whole curse of comparison, You know, you think, oh man, this is great. You might get given a car and say, wow, this is great. And then someone drives past with a better car. It can be real kill joy, can't it? Comparison can really rob you of the joy that we have in Christ. And then there is this one, and my wife just did a brilliant message. This message, every one of us should download and probably listen to it every six weeks. And it was on a fence. That was just a powerful, powerful message. And then I piggybacked off, that message only last Sunday less than a week ago and I looked at the area of unforgiveness and again all of those messages are free to download we just talked about the power of confession and freedom that can come when when we actually ask for forgiveness and we start forgiving one another healing takes place when we confess our sins to God we get forgiveness from Him and He remembers our sins no more but then it goes on to say but when we confess our sins one to another that's when healing takes place so you can confess your sins to God, but that doesn't heal the relationship. That takes confession one to another. And so we can get forgiveness and we can get healing when we confess our sins. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we can find ourselves walking again in freedom that we once had, that we lost through unforgiveness. And honestly, I speak for myself, this is a journey. We, we, we haven't arrived. I know our staff pretty well and none of our staff have arrived. We, we are we a are work in progress. I am a work in progress. I have my good days and then I have some not so good days. And so I'm preaching to me every time I preach. And so I trust that this series has been really helpful to you. And we're going to continue this series tonight very quickly before we get our fam up here to uh, baptise some people, which would be amazing. But another usual suspect suspect when it comes to losing our joy and getting us all bound up is the area of anxiety. Anxiety. Anyone struggle with anxiety? You don't have to show me your hand, but I mean, I mean, it's a big one, isn't it? Anxiety. It kind of can really rob us of our joy. You know, I know a lot of people want world peace. You've only got to go to a beauty pageant and you'll know, you hear world peace. Everyone, everyone wants world peace. The trouble is you can't have world peace, outer peace, when you don't have inner peace. Outer peace starts with inner peace. And my prayer tonight is, that you and I could not only find, but live in a peace in a restless world. We live in a very restless world. We live in very turbulent times. I mean, if you only got to look at our political situation right now, and it's kind of like, uh, I'm not quite sure what's going on. And it can cause anxiety, stress, worry, and all those things can rob us of the God life in us. And so I want to read a passage of Scripture. Are you happy to keep playing, Dan? Do you want to do it the whole time? Do you need a stool? Can you do that? That's fantastic. You're young, you can handle that. That's, I'm standing, I'm gonna stand and I'm almost 50. So you can surely stand. How's that? All right, so Mark, Mark chapter four, verse 35 said this. This is, this is kind of, uh, this is not a story. Jesus told a lot of stories. This is not a story. This is something that actually happened and was recorded. It says, That day when evening came, he, speaking of Jesus, said to the disciples, let's go to the other side. Left a lot of information out. Just let's go to the other side. And so leaving the crowd behind, they took Him along just as He was in the boat. There were also other boats with Him. And a furious squall came up and waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke Him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up. He rebuked the wind. And He said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to His disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? That's what I've learned about Jesus. Just when you think you know Him, He does something, oh my gosh, I thought I knew Him. But then He does something that was like, wow. Anyone find that? Yeah. It's amazing. Even the wind and the waves obey Him. I, I, I love Jesus. He, he said some things, but left a lot of things out. If, if you're sitting there thinking, I want to know the will of God for my life. You know, what I've learned over the years that I've been alive and that I've been in ministry, I'm so glad God didn't tell me everything about my future because it would have freaked me out. And so Jesus tells us just enough About what we need to know in order to get us in moments. And so he says, Hey guys, how about we go for a little boat ride? It's a beautiful day. Let's go to the other side of the lake. Kind of cool. And what you need to know about this moment, Jesus knowing what was about to happen, this was not just a practical illustration, this was also a metaphor. You see, it wasn't just a crossing over from one shore to another, although that's what they did, but it was also a crossing over from learning to owning. It's one thing to learn something. We learn things at school, don't we? We learn lots and then we leave school and we think we know it all and then you start, oh, I've got to own some things. It's different. And and Jesus was, was teaching them something. It's from sitting under the Word to standing on the Word. It's easy to sit in church and say, that's right, yes, amen. But when you're at work and you're the only Christian and there's some pressure on and you've got to stand, that's different. It's easy to sit. But when you've got to stand on the Word, and Jesus is taking about to take them into a journey of growth from academic truth to active truth, from what they knew to what they believed. It's one thing to know something, it's another thing to believe it. And so Jesus says, let's go to the other side. But He knew there was a massive lesson that they were all about to learn. Because what He was doing, He was was putting them in a test. He was going to test their faith. In other words, He was going to have theory, not just theory, but He was going to take it from theory into something more real. Jesus was basically saying, Hey guys, we had the Sermon on the Mount, you said it was amazing. You said it was the best teaching you've ever heard. That's great. But we're gonna put into practice how, how much you really believe. People say to me, Oh, that was great, and then within a week, it's like they've forgotten everything I said they agreed that was great. And, and that's what's happening here with the disciples. You see, the Bible is not a book to be studied, rather, it's a letter to be lived. It's something to be lived. This world needs us living the truth, not just talking about it. Yeah. Come on. And Jesus is trying to say, Hey, I've taught you a few things, but life's going to throw you some curveballs. And then we're going to learn how to handle those things is when you're in the curveball. And so, oblivious to what is about to happen, the disciples say, That's good, let's go, let's go for a boat ride, this is cool. And they, they hop in the boat. And there's a few other boats went with him. Then this cool. We get to be with Jesus in the boat. It's so good. Jesus wants us to go in the boat. didn't ask those others. He asked us. Must be feeling pretty good about themselves. And just he asked us. <laughs> didn't ask those other guys. He asked our church, not their church. <laughs> just... And then a cloud came over. Then another cloud came over. And then it got quite dark. And then the wind started to pick up. And then the rain started and the waves started. And the Bible says, a furious squall arose. And that cool, calm, sitting under Jesus' teaching attitude evaporated. Sometimes you can leave church and we can do anything. And now they think, we're going to die. They went from, oh, we can do anything. Jesus picked us in a boat and and now we're going to die. I mean, they weren't just anxious. They were freaking out. Now, whenever I talk about the disciples, I never want to be unkind because I think one thing we do wrong when we read the Bible is because we know the end of the story, we don't engage the middle of the story. And we don't live in the pain, the hurt, the confusion, the anxiety, the worry, the fear of the disciples. I mean, why were they so worried? And we go to teaching mode instead of living in the moment. I'm telling you, before we think too little of the disciples, if any of us were in that boat with Jesus, myself included, we'd be, ah, freaking out. Anxious. The interesting thing about the story is that Jesus is in the boat but he's not freaking out. Jesus is calm, cool and collected. I'll tell you how calm, cool and collected he is. He's so calm, cool and collected he fell asleep. I mean... There's waves, there's wind, there's rain and Jesus. <laughs> Jesus thanking the Father for just bringing this, just to get that little rocking motion going so he could fall to sleep. He's, he's fast asleep. <laughs> the disciples freaking out, wake him up. Jesus! This is what they say. Don't you care? I think it's interesting that the greatest carer who's ever walked the planet of the earth gets accused of not caring. I think that's a lesson for us. I think it's a challenge to ask, to ask this question what does care really look like? Jesus cared better than anyone, and he was happy just to let them go, just to see how they responded. And so Jesus stands up, looks at them, says, Guys, I preached about this. You said it was awesome. You said you agreed. Because when you say amen, that means yes, I agree. Yeah. When you say amen to something, you're yes, right. We talked about this. And now we're in it and you've lost what you believe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, waves. <laughs> what a party trick. <laughs> Be quiet. And it goes calm. The disciples went from fear to greater fear. Uh, what, who who is this? And at that moment, Jesus is saying, I, I am who I've always been. And you're just getting another glimpse of me in order to give you another understanding of what I can do and who I am. So that when you face new challenges, you'll have a greater faith next time. Because <laughs> we're all a work in progress. And so no condemnation to the disciples but Jesus is wanting us to grow up. And, and, and do you know why Jesus could bring calm and peace? Do you know why? Because he had peace to give. So you can't give something that you don't have. That's what makes Jesus so amazing. He had what he was selling. And, and God is trying to get us a place where we don't just talk the talk, but we actually have the substance of it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's not just a wishful thinking. It's a substance. It's gonna get better. I I believe it. But so many people just have theory. And when they're in the middle, when the money's tight, they stop giving. But when it was good, we believe in giving, but it stops. But but Jesus said, come on, I wanna grow you. Jesus never did the there, there, there thing because he loves us more than that. And he's trying to teach them this principle that our best requires rest. You can't be frantic. You can't be running around here, there and everywhere. Andre's story is so powerful. The harder he tried, the worse it got. And then we, then we kid ourselves. We're doing, it for our, we're doing it for the family, but are we? Or are we doing it for ourselves? and Jesus has a wonderful way of sneaking up on us doesn't he Andre and saying hey tapping us on the shoulder and and I love that little moment where your daughter said dad you know when you went crazy that was the best thing ever who would have thought that out of the worst of times can come the best of times that's what Jesus is really good at taking our worst moments and flipping it into our greatest moments And, and this was a defining moment for the disciples yeah. it's a beautiful moment because something in them came to the surface that they wouldn't have said was there they said are you worried? no I feel good yeah. I was telling our leaders on Tuesday night that to say I don't have fear would be an exaggeration but if you used to say am I afraid of the dark I'd say no But but honestly, when I was younger, I I was very much afraid of the dark. I was terrified of the dark when I was a kid. And I remember that that run to my bedroom, the hallway, pitch black, to get to my bedroom as quick as I could to turn the light on. I I was gripped by a fear of the dark for quite a while when I was younger. I'm here to tell you now as a man who's almost 50, I'm no longer afraid of the dark. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) But it doesn't mean I'm not afraid of anything. And God lovingly, graciously highlights things and then helps you through it. Because what He reveals, He wants to heal. Yeah. Yeah. And so thankfully, I'm not afraid of that. There was a time I used to be afraid of public speaking. I mean, I, I mean, literally, when I got called to the front of the class to do a morning talk, I just froze. I mean, literally, no words came out of my mouth. I just froze. People would... Have that awkward silence, which would turn to looking to one another, which would turn to giggles. And the teacher would then say, okay, Tony, take your seat. That was my morning. I hated Monday mornings because Monday mornings were the morning where you were meant to come and tell everyone what you did on the weekend. I love my weekends. I just didn't want to tell everyone about it. (laughs) Terrified of public speaking. And here I am. God lovingly, graciously highlights things in our life, not to embarrass you, not to expose you, but to make you aware of it so we can deal with it. My blood infection, the greatest day in hospital was when they found out that I had a problem with my blood because then they could get on with fixing it. Until then, it was just, what is? they were going to take out my spleen, they were going to take out my kidney stone, they were talking gallstones, they were talking bladder. I mean, every every part of my body was up for grabs at one stage. (laughs) I was booked in to have spinal surgery. I I, I, was serious. I was just... And then they found out it was a blood infection. Alright, oh, now we know what to do. Oh, thank you. The day they found oh, I've got a blood infection. Yes. Because <laughs> I get to keep my gallbladder. I get to keep my God loves us. So he reveals things. And so he was letting he was letting them sweat it out just to highlight what's in them. Because prior to that, they wouldn't have said, oh, I'm not anxious. I'm not anxious about anything. I'm I'm cool, calm, collected. And you are in certain situations. But let me take you out of that situation you're comfortable with, put you in an uncomfortable situation and see what comes up. Wow, you didn't know that was there. And God says, I did. and I'm going to help you with it. So good, isn't it? So good. I'm going to read another passage of Scripture real quick. I'm going to take four things out of it that can help us practically. And we're going to do this in less than five minutes. You have little faith. You watch, you're going to be amazed. Who is this man? Philippians chapter four, verse six to nine says this. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't you love the word of God? Yeah, right. That's great, but how? Now it just made me feel worse. Do not be anxious. Well, I am anxious. And now I'm getting more anxious just reading that. But in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is, well, I've lost my place. Whatever is true, keep going. Noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things whatever you have learnt or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You know, Paul wrote this letter. Paul was a a man used mightily by God and he penned much of the New Testament. And he was saying this, he starts by saying, don't be anxious. But Paul knew that that's a big ask because Paul struggled with anxiety. As I struggle with anxiety, as you struggle with anxiety. That's what I love about the Bible. It's not just, a, just this big ask without any help. And so Paul not only says, don't be anxious, but he leaves a pathway to peace. And here they are. You ready? Four things. The first one is simply this. Be prayerful. Verse six, be prayerful. In every situation, pray. No matter what you're facing or thinking, He knows what you're thinking anyway. You think, oh, I can't say that to God. He knows what you're thinking. Just get it out there. Just get it out there. God, I'm really struggling with that word. I can't say that. He knows you. just say, oh God, I'm struggling with this. Because the moment we get it out of the light, He can say, that's cool. I'm going to help you with what you're struggling with. But when we say, no, I'm not struggling. No, nope. we miss out what is available to us. And that's the healing power. So with prayer, what is prayer? Prayer is simply talking to God. And we're actually starting a new series as of next week. And it's a series about prayer. And I've simply entitled it this, What to Say When You Pray because this is what I find I think most people do want to pray but they just don't know how to and when you don't know how to do something you get frustrated it gets hard and then you end up giving up so we want to be very practical and help you we're going to go through some prayers some patterns of prayer that are found in the New Testament and in the Old Testament and they're going to help you and they're prayers that you can pray for half an hour or you can pray for 20 seconds they're going to be prayers that can help you what to say when to pray be prayerful number one secondly be thankful be thankful Submit your prayers and requests to God with thanksgiving. It can't just be all worry. There's got to be thanks, because there's lots to thank God for. Hold on to the good, the Bible says. Hold on to the good. You know, I mentioned that I was in hospital for three weeks and I almost died. I haven't got time to explain that, but it got pretty dire. I remember saying to the doctor, I feel like my body's shutting down. He says, the reason you feel like that is because it is. You're dying. And unless these drugs kick in, uh, you're going to die. And and thankfully, we have a God who's overseeing that whole situation. So, God is good. The doctors were good. The medicine was good. Uh, the prayers were much appreciated. I had fitness on my side, which I'm grateful to God for. And all these things kicked in, and I got through that little season. And, and I, I never remember getting out and saying, God, I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I was in the Royal Adelaide Hospital, not the new one, the old one. And it was getting run down and and they were moving all things into the new one. So it was was pretty dilapidated. But you know what? I'm in Adelaide. I'm in Australia getting some of the best care in the world. And every nurse that came into my uh, room, I I looked at them and said, thank you for looking after me. I, I said it every time to every nurse on every occasion. I was in agony. Even when I was at my worst, I'd, thank you. One night Dan McGore came to cheer me up. He stayed the night because I hated the nights. I, I was afraid of that night. That, that dark, the drugs I was on, it was horrible. And I, I said, Can someone come and stay with me in hospital? If you think less of me because of that, hey, go your hardest. But <laughs> but I needed someone there. And Dan came in, our, our youth pastor. He'd just seen his youth pastor die through a lightning strike. And, and here it is, three months later, his senior pastor's kind of not in a good shape. And I remember looking up at Dan, and he came in. He was told specifically by Andre, hey, cheer Tony up. Go in there, be the clown, put your red nose on, go for it. So he comes in with board games and juggling. And, but I wasn't in the mood. I was just... I was, just like, And even my weakest... I kept waking up every five minutes and looking at Dan. He was just, he was just literally sitting over the bed, just feeling with my nose, just to see if I was breathing. He never, the poor kid never slept a minute. He just stayed awake the whole night watching over me. And every time I'd look up and he was say, "Dad, love you, man. See you in heaven. You know, like, <laughs> I see. I, 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 I mean, no, exaggeration, I said, I said about four, five o'clock in the morning. I said, Dan, ring cat, I've got to say goodbye to her. Ring her. You haven't even heard that? I've never told her on that. And Cass, said, oh, I'll be in in a minute. I said, no, get in here now. Almost <laughs> changed my mind, so don't bother coming in. <laughs> hey, Be positive be positive. Paul says, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. Be positive. Yeah. You know, my blood type is be positive. It's actually in my blood to be positive. I mean, it's just, it's kind of... <laughs> any be positive people out there? Some of you need a blood transfusion. Some of you, oh, negative people. I mean, come on. Yeah. Are there any other negative people out there? Really, you, Naomi. You are one of the most positive, happiest, cheerful, oh, negative people I've ever met. Maybe you did have a blood transfusion. Who knows? No, seriously, be positive. Think about these things. Paul says, I know what anxiety is, but be prayerful. The second one, (laughs) be thankful. Be positive. And number four, be obedient. Paul says this, get this, get this, get this. Whatever you've learned or received from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Yeah, come on. It's not enough to know it. You've got to live it. You've got to live it. People tell me all the time, God says this and God says that, and you look at their life not doing anything of what the Bible actually says. You've got to live it. You know what this world wants? They don't know it, but this is what they want. They want someone to live the Bible. They don't want someone preaching it. They want someone living it. That's okay. They're all just about to get baptised. It's <laughs> just like ants. <laughs> we thought, how could we do this without a distraction? Here's the answer. We we didn't. We just we didn't. So so just do it now. We've 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 got your attention. It's cool. But be obedient. Be obedient. I, 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 when I was in hospital, Kath was down to preach. It was Mother's Day, 2016. I was booked in to have spinal surgery. Kath praised me on Saturday night, kissed me. About 10.30 she left. And she did what she'd been called to do. And that is preach. And so Sunday morning, when I'm having supposed spinal surgery, she tells the church, they pray for me. And people all around the world were praying for me. And I'm so grateful for that prayer because I actually never ended up having surgery. God did a miraculous work in my body. I'm so grateful for that. But Katharine's got on with what she knew she had to do and that's preach. Yeah. Was it easy for her? Not at all. Would well, she rather been standing by me at the hospital? Yeah. But I've got a job to do. Yeah. People are depending. People want an example. Yeah. People don't want your words. They want an example. Yeah. Yeah. And so Paul says, don't, don't just say it. Let's do it. Let's live it. And I believe while anxiety is not going to go away, we can deal with it. Yeah. And we deal with it through being prayerful, Thankful, positive, and the last one, obedient. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.